Man, welcome everybody to Breakfast with Bob, not quite Kona edition. My name is Bob Babbitt. We are brought to you by Hoka One One Master Spas, Clash Endurance, You Can Hyper Ice Premium Plus Sports, Form Smart Swim Goggles, and during COVID, our Challenged Athletes Foundation sent out 3,038 grants, totaling $5.1 million to keep challenged athletes in the game of life through sport. Our next guest, seriously, we met for the first time at at Challenge Daytona a little over a year ago and just so impressed with everything this young man has accomplished. He's a two-time world champion. He is a three-time Olympian. He's an Olympic bronze medalist. Mr. Vincent Luis joins us from his palatial estate somewhere hidden in France. How are you doing, Vincent? Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm really good. Really good, you know. And how are you doing? You always ask people how they're doing, but how are you? I am wonderful. We just got back. We did a Paranordic skiing uh, camp up in uh, re- up in uh, uh, up in the mountains up in Sierra, and it was wonderful. We had a dozen kids from all over the all over the country. A lot of them uh, paralyzed, a number of them visually impaired. Learned a lot of them on skis for the very first time. So it was, it was really really a, a fun weekend. Great. So for you, Vincent, the last time we chatted, it was it was it was so eye opening for me because you were going into you first Olympics in London, you're getting a feel for it. The goal is obviously 16 in 2016, you get seventh. And, but you were six weeks beforehand, you're in a wheelchair, basically a stress fracture and one foot, then stress fracture in the other foot. And the fact that you even got to the starting line and got seventh was pretty amazing. But in your mind, it was a failure. And it sounded like you were, you're pretty close to leaving the sport, right? Yeah, yeah, that that's it. You know, um, I was uh, I had a really great year in 2015. Uh, I was uh, basically winning or really close to win everything uh, I was doing back then. And uh, yeah, just a few weeks prior to the Olympics 2016, uh, first stress fracture in my uh, left ankle, and then a couple of weeks later, right ankle. So yeah, that was that was a few like really rough weeks leading to the Olympics. Finishing seven, I was really disappointed, and as I said, I was really close from quitting the sport. And um, uh, I, I just bought this ticket for, for Kenya and went, and went to Kenya for five weeks, spent the Christmas there. And, uh, and I came back, I won't say as a new man, but as with a different uh, opinions and, and view on how tough is the life and how lucky we are to just having triathlon as a, as a job and as a, as a hobby. So when you came back, it was go back home, go back to work and do your job. You, you realize that, you know, in Kenya, guys are running barefoot. They're running 5K to, to get water or go to, to go to school, that the life is, is very, very challenging. And now it's relit a fire for you to understand that, you know what, life is not easy. And, and I've got a pretty wonderful job. I get to swim, bike and run for a living. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you you understand all the little things and, and you realize how lucky you are and, 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 and that you can't really complain about finishing seventh at the Olympic. So yeah, that was a really, a really good like mental boost. And I think exactly what I needed. And, and um, I keep saying like buying this plane ticket was the best thing I ever did in my life. 
It absolutely was the best thing you ever did in your life. And how did that change you in terms of that 2017, 18, you ended up becoming two-time world champion after that. Did it just change the way you looked prepared for the races or just change your attitude if you didn't have a good race? Uh, I, th I think both. I think, I think both, uh, both things changed. Um, I think for me, the, the biggest change was just, uh, I, I just wanted to achieve whatever I think I was capable of. So put like every single um, chance on my side and just trying to do the best. I, I mean, a career is really short and, and you have to like put everything on your side. So that's when I decided to join um, Joel Fiddle and, and his squad with Mario Mola and, and all the superstars. And um, that was a big change for me because I was used to stay at home and, and train from home and having my friends around and everything. And, and Joel's group is more like... Um, you, you live a life of, uh, of a nomad. You go from hotels to hotels and, and you just have training camps after training camps. And, and that was a big change for me. And that was a bit out of my comfort zone. And, um, and I think that's really what I needed. And, and then the performances, they just, they just went, went with it because I was just, um, I just put everything I had in this, uh, in this um, new lifestyle. And I, and I think that's what like suited me the best for, for performance. And um, I think, uh, well, let's say that's the second best choice I ever made in my life. <laughs> so when you go to, when you're heading into the, the next Olympic round, obviously everything gets postponed for a year. Did that help you, hurt you? Because 20, you're coming off of two world championship titles. I'm, I'm guessing you're thinking, boy, if, if the Olympics is in 2020, that, that's good for me. Uh, delaying a year is tough. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a huge uh, setback for me. I mean, 2020, I was I raced, I think, four times for uh, ITU, like short distances. I won the four races, and um, I, I was just yeah, I don't know. I, I just felt great the whole year. I, I could do all the sessions, and every single race was just another training day. But except it was on a Sunday with a with a bib number, everything was so easy. And then they announced that the Olympics were postponed so you know it's uh, yeah it's, it was a huge setback but you know in my mind I was like oh yeah well it's just one more winter I can do it again it's not it's no big deal I, I'm, I'm gonna do that um, easy and uh, yeah I, I had another great winter uh, but then once again in that was really early June just before I think Leeds World Series that uh, I start to feel a little niggle in my uh, in my calf and I went to do an MRI and uh, they saw that I, uh, I had a tear in my calf, a six centimeter tear. And uh, yeah, we were basically six weeks out from the Olympics, uh, knowing that the two weeks before the Olympics, you're basically tapering. So I had four weeks to heal this calf, to train again and show up on the start line. So yeah, that wasn't easy, but um, you know, the good thing, we also had the relay and French, uh, the French team has a really good team. So that was also another chance for me to, to medal. And um, I, I feel really lucky once again that I, that I had the opportunity to race for the French team and, and bring back the, the, the bronze medal. But uh, yeah, uh, another, another disappointing Olympic Games for me. But um, I bounced back pretty quick and, and we had a lot of other opportunities after in 2021. So uh, that was... a completely different mindset compared to uh, 2016. Yeah. Every, 16, every, if you didn't have a good Olympics, 
you were miserable. This time you came away. And again, it seemed like such a repeat of 2016 because you're going into it with an injury again. And getting 13th, knowing what you're dealing with leading in, you can't be disappointed with that because you, you, know, you, you had a calf issue that you were racing through and you come away with a bronze medal. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, it's, uh, the, the Olympics, they, they both, uh, I would say they're both magic and, and cruel because uh, there's a, a really thin line between uh, being fit and, uh, and the other world. You know, you, you, you can just like two, two weeks prior to the Olympics, you can pick up an injury, you can, you can get sick, you can whatever. But it's one race every four or five years. I mean, that was five years. But um, so it's you and your luck, basically. And yeah, I've been unlucky two times. Um, I hope I have uh, another opportunity in Paris to, to show what I can do. But um, yeah, life goes on. All the races, uh, still a world championship in the, on the table for next year. There's still plenty of, uh, plenty of races to go. And um, yeah, I was just, after this race, I was just, you know, kind of, saying, okay, this is down now, it's time to train and, and train for the next races. That was, as I said, that was a way, way different mindset that I was after, after 2016, where I was completely like droning and, and just, I, I, didn't, I just didn't want to race anymore. And um, I, after 2021, I was just like, okay, this is, this is a new start now, let's, let's get after it. Well, and you had a quote back a while ago saying, if my career ends tomorrow, I'd be happy because you, you knew you know, that, that was even before this last Olympics where you end up with a bronze medal because, you know, it, it, what you've accomplished being a two-time world champion and you guys won the mixed relay three times for the world championships, right? Plus the bronze medal, everything you've done is great. From here on in, it's, you know, it's sort of gravy. Anything you do now adds to adds to the legacy because you've you've done so much great stuff yeah yeah you know it's uh, I, I i mean I, i've i've never dreamt of let's say a quarter of what i achieved I, I just i was just you know my dad came from portugal to france to find some work when he was 16 did not speak any any french and he was just a hard worker and 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 you know whatever whatever you can do is is trying to make him proud trying to to make your best and and if you can be just a local local champion, he, he will be proud of that. And then you become national champion and then you win Europeans and then Worlds and then, and then you go to the Olympics and, and you go to the Olympics three times. And, you know, it just, it just, everything is just a bonus for me now. I just, I'm just enjoying my job, enjoying like going out every day and, and doing, and doing trainings. And I just, I just enjoy it. So if I have the results, yeah, of course, it's a huge plus, but whatever, I've accomplished already. I'm really proud of, and uh, and now I'm just every time I go for a race, it's just it's just a game, and I'm just enjoying it 100. So when we chatted at Daytona, you came in there. Uh, you had just gotten your time trial bike. It's the first time you're doing a long distance, a longer distance race, and you had gotten your shiv, and the shiv had been stolen from the. You took it in basically. Actually, you hadn't even been on the thing. You, it was at the shop. You needed it to be adjusted. You hadn't ridden it. Someone came in through the roof and stole your bike. Exactly, exactly. That was, uh, I think, a couple uh, couple of weeks before Daytona. I uh, received my new shiv and uh, it was at the bike shop, getting dialed and everything like put together. 
And on Monday, I got a call from the bike shop and they're like, oh, they, they drilled the hole um, on the, on, into the roof and they, they just fish your bike and 20 other bikes. And I'm like, yeah, well, uh, it is what it is. What do you want me to say? Let's just, let's just uh, text, uh, let's just text uh, Specialized and hope they have a spare one uh, in stock and I can get it. And yeah, they were really efficient. I mean, two days later, I had a new, new sheave. And I made sure this one was uh, locked to the to the ground so they couldn't fish it. And uh, yeah, that was that was good fun. Uh, I, I don't know. I think I have kind of a curse with long distance huh? between uh, the bike being stolen, the penalty in Daytona, hitting the car in Indian Wells. Uh, I need to race another one sooner huh, to make sure I'm not uh, I'm not cursed. Huh? <laughs> well, let's talk about the Indian Wells. So Indian Wells, you're leading. I think you've got like a two minute lead. You uh, what, fifty miles or so into the was it fifty miles or so into the bike? Yeah. yeah, I had 10k left, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I was that. almost there. Yeah, and you get led off the course and then get hit by a car. And yeah, come in, yeah, it's just <laughs> that is bizarre because they usually have a lead moto. That if, if you're leading the race, you, you usually feel pretty safe that this guy's keeping yeah. you out of harm's way. Yeah, so I, I, um, I heard a lot of story about people getting misleaded and, and all these things. So I made sure that I knew, I knew the course. So I, I checked the course, both with my bike and with the car to make sure I knew where to go. And, uh, and this race, I don't know, everything went so smooth. I was swimming first at the front, one minute gap on the, on the second guy. And then I was riding big watts, feeling good, everything, nutrition, hydration. I was like, oh, come on, this race this race is in the pocket. We, we haven't even started the half and the half marathon and well, I can already think about what I'm going to do to celebrate, you know, <laughs> this is yeah. everything, you know, when, when everything goes together and you're like, wow, this is a, this is a dream day today. It's everything's good. And then I was already thinking about my second transition, how to do this and this to be efficient. And at some point, um, uh, out of nowhere, there's, there's a cop in the middle of the road and he asks us to turn, um, to turn left. I was behind the lead car. The lead car turns left. I followed the lead car and I knew we had to go straight. But, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, maybe there is, I don't know, an accident or a problem sure. further on the road. And we're going to turn left, then right later and get back on the same road, whatever. And I, we turn left. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, this is not normal. We're in the middle of a neighborhood. And, you know, Indian Wells, it's full of like this gated community with golf inside and stuff like this. I'm like, this is not, this is not the race. And the guy with the lead car just stops and tells me, I, I don't know where to go. I don't know where we're going. So I'm like, okay, right, let's, let's U-turn. So I, I U-turn, come back. Well, I've already lost all my, whatever, two minutes lead that I had. Yeah. And I come back and I'm like, well, I'm just going to go back on the road and, 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 and ride to the transition. That's the only option I have. And just, just a couple of meters before reaching back to the, to the race course, I have to, to pass a, a car. And as soon as I get next to this car, this car like turns in front of me. So I hit the car, I go over the bumper and, and I just end up on my uh, face first, boom. And, uh, and I'm just like, what just happened? And yeah, my bike is somewhere, my bike computer somewhere else, my nutrition somewhere else. So I'm like, wow, I grabbed everything, jumped back on the bike. However, I reached the T2, run the half, finished second. And uh, yeah, that was just a bit weird, you know, but the, actually the guy in the lead car was waiting for me at the finish line and like crying. He was like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I knew we had to go straight, but this cop told me to turn. And I'm like, you know, it's, 
I'm fine. Nothing's broken. Life goes on. We'll we'll race another time, and 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 it's all right. I mean, it's a pity, and I don't want it to to happen again for sure. But at the end of the day, it's nobody's fault. I mean, this cop was here since maybe four a.m. Like like telling car to to go somewhere or go somewhere else, and and we just come out of the blue and just say, oh, we racing, and you know, it's nobody's fault you just hope it doesn't doesn't happen to you but yeah it did but yeah as i said um i did not have to race afterwards so that was just holidays i did not enjoy the the sea much and uh and uh and the mexican sun but that was yeah that was a, a few rough showers afterwards it, for you if this was the 2016 version of vincent and this happened I think your reaction might have been a little different, sort of before Kenya and after Kenya. Yeah, I think I would have just, I would have just like, not not continuing the race. I would have just stopped. Right. Yeah. You would have done yeah, it. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have just like stay on the ground or I've just get up and and my race was done because you know, you're just not facing adversity the same. It's just it's just different. So. You also raced um, uh, Super League, won Super League Munich, uh, beat yeah. Jonathan Bromley and Alan Hee, and then fifth in the series. That Super League series is really fun. Is it from the outside? It just looks like a total blast. Is it a lot of fun as an athlete as well? Yeah, you know, Super League. They, the thing that I like the most with Super League is they, they really take good care of us as an, yes. as athletes because uh, we're racing four weekends in a row uh in different countries um and we we have to cross the atlantic to race again so they, they they could just say you know like all of the races they could just say okay there is these four races you have to be there saturday at 10 a.m deal with the rest yourself but instead of that they just it's like we're gonna take care of everything you're going to fly there and from there to the last races we're gonna take care of everything accommodation flights you'll have a physio with you all the meals everything we're gonna make everything perfect for you and everyone does the same thing which is really good because you stand with the same chance on the start line and i really like it it's just it's just super easy you know you give them you give them the key of the house and they deal with everything so that's that's really really nice and i mean the race is just so much fun it's you you, you race your friends and you it's you know there is no pressure there is no world title and you don't race for your country you're not fighting with other people for your spot so it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's just good fun. And I mean, Chris McCormack's doing an amazing job at organizing it and, and Michael Durst also. We, we're really lucky to have this series. I mean, it's a game changer for us. Uh, I mean, I won't lie, but money-wise, it's also so, so huge for athletes like us to have this series. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward every year to, to race the series again. And, and I knew last year I wasn't as, as good as I used to because I, I wasn't as fit. But uh, I, I really, I really want to be fit again and, and race this series again because it's really good fun when you fit. You know what's cool about it too is basically for four weeks you guys are in your own bubble with all these people who normally you're, you know, you're with Johnny Brownlee and Vince and, and uh, Alex and guys who you have to beat all the time. But now it's almost like a family traveling together, and you you're, you race on the weekend, but you're still, you know, you're you guys become. I'm sure you become closer friends through this four weeks together. 
Yeah, of course. And I mean, all the meals, you take the meals together, there is big tables. So you, you like swap whoever is at the, it has, is at the same table. So you, you, got to, you got to know more people. Uh, you got to train with different people. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. I mean, it's really good because, you know, when you race on the ITU circuit, you, you stay in between the people of the same country. And, right. and I'm sometimes amazed that like some of my um, country mates, they don't even speak English because they don't have to, because they only stay in between French. But when you show up at Super League, uh, you have to speak to the other people. You have to talk to them. So you have to, to speak English or whatever language. And, and the briefings, they in English. And you don't have your national coach to translate everything. So I think it's a, it's a good school, you know, to, to learn everything. It's, it's, it's really good. And, uh, and as I said, it's, the conditions are perfect. We're sleeping in nice hotels. We, we're going to really good venues. And uh, they always have, like, extra activities for us to do. So, I, I, yeah, I love it. I love it since day one. And, and I've been racing all of them. And, um, and I hope I can race as long as I can. The one in Malibu, the last race, the championship race, and Malibu is an event that's been going on for 35 years. It has huge tradition. And having you guys in the ocean, dealing with, with surf, uh, which I think a lot of races, you don't really have that. But that, that must have been pretty fun for you guys who are really good swimmers to deal with the surf. In and out. I love the fact you guys, those three races in a row, you're like, you race, there's four minutes between when the first guy finishes and the start of the next heat. Uh, talk a little bit about Malibu and the fact that there was actually an ocean swim. Yeah, exactly. For us, it's uh, it's really inconvenient to swim uh, with waves, uh, and 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 just having a, a beach start, it's it's really we're not used to it. We all just right. dive from a pontoon, and it's it's really something different. And uh, it, the, the funny fact is, the day before we had a swim farm, and uh, basically nobody swam. Everyone played in the waves. That was just so fun. That was <laughs> the last race of the season. You know, every everyone was there. And we were just all having fun, like playing in the waves. Body surfing. And uh, yeah, that was just, that was just fun, you know? And, um, and I could see like the Australians and, and people from New Zealand, they were really, really good. Yes. And I was like, oh, come on, it's still swimming. Like you just, you just, maybe one or two are going to catch a wave at the end and, and, and that's it. But no, it's, it's, if you know what you're doing in the waves, it's, it's a huge advantage. Uh, I remember leading the race, having a gap. And out of the water was third or fourth because these guys, they're just so good at catching waves. So yes. good. But that was, yeah, that was, that was really good fun. Uh, I loved it. I hope we're coming back to, I hope we're coming back to Malibu. And um, the, the crowd was good too. We had, we had a lot of people. Yep. Uh, I, I actually also raced the relay the next day. And that was, yeah. that was really good fun. I saw you also. I saw oh, you. Yeah. yeah. So that was um, that was a good event. I, I really hope it stays on the list, but um, I've heard I've heard it should be. So um, yeah, looking forward to race there again, and uh, I'll practice my uh, my wave catching. <laughs> so you and, and Taylor Spivey have been together for a while. How is that balance when you're dating somebody who's also has that you know as a professional athlete? Because if they're injured, you're injured. You know, there's. There's, that's a tough balance because when you're racing, you got to focus on you and thinking about that other person takes energy from you. So how do you guys balance that? Yeah, the, the, the path leading to the Olympics was pretty, pretty bumpy because um, so yes. I, I picked up my injury and, uh, and, and Taylor um, did, not, uh, did not make the cut for the selection. Uh, I think that was a shame. 
not not that she did not make the cut, but just the whole process uh, coming from USAT, I think wasn't wasn't really fair towards the athletes, and and I think they really have to work on it for it not to happen again. But you know, it just it's just hard when 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 you're not when you when you're not at your at your top end mentally, and your partner is also dealing with issues. And but as I said, we 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 both. I, I love to say that we both walk walk through hell, but we walk through hell like hand in hand, and um, and and that was the that was the best we could do. We tried to support each other, and uh, that that was that was really hard. That was a hard moment, and and as soon as all these Olympic games and and period was done, I think we we just sat down, um, like like, and that was just a new start. That was just like okay, this is done. We don't have to worry about it anymore, and, and let's just get after it. Taylor finished finished the season um, with a bronze medal at Worlds. Uh, she had she had really good races, so it's um, you know she she could have just say, oh, "Screw it, I'm done. Right. Uh, I, I don't want to deal with USAT anymore. I don't want to do any of this thing. I'm just gonna race for my own, or or not even race anymore." You know. And, and she was really tough and strong and she bounced back and, and, and she did well in Edmonton, podium at the series. And um, yeah, I, I'm really proud of how she bounced back. And that was also a big motivation for me to, to keep training after for Abu Dhabi and Indian Wells. So that was, that was really great to see her being as strong as this after what she's been through. But um, yeah, I mean, when both, when both the, the people in the relationship are at the low end, it's, it's a really rough moment and you have to have good friends and, and good coach that listen to you and help you going through that because it's, you know, you, 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 you find everything you can to, to give up or to argue. And, um, and I think it's, uh, it's really important to be, to have a good, have good people around you. I think it's, I think it's really important. And, um, but, but now, you know, we, we, we focused on 2024. Uh, that's going to be the, my last games, uh, home games for me. And uh, 2028, there'll be Los Angeles, so home games for us, for, for her. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's some exciting things just coming. And uh, we just, you know, we're just looking at the future, not, not looking back. So you were at the 2012 Olympic Games with the Brownlee brothers, who were obviously in London. Everybody, billboards everywhere. Brownlee brothers, Brownlee brothers, a lot of pressure. Right? <laughs> when you're the home country... And, and there's billboards of you everywhere. People are expecting you to get gold. They're expecting you to, to medal. Now, 2024, we'll be in Paris. And that pressure will be on you. You know, there'll be, and I think you're helping design the bike course, if I'm not mistaken. So you're intimately involved with this, with that race. Are you, obviously you're looking forward to it, but also uh, how do you deal with the weight of the country on your shoulders? Um, yeah, 20, 2012, I had, I had, you know, I had this memory of walking onto the pontoon with my two uh, country mates, uh, David Hoss and, and Lauren Vidal. And then just after us, they called the Bronleys on the pontoon. And I have this, this memory of everything shaking because one million people in Hyde Park was just yelling and screaming. And I looked around and I remember looking at Laurent and we just, we were just smiling at each other. We we're just like, what is happening? What is that? And I think that's the same feeling when you, when you have to score a penalty on a soccer game at the World Cup and you're in, in the homeland, you know, it's, it's, it was just like, wow, that's crazy. But in one hand, you want to leave that. 
you want we want it to happen for you. And you know, in 2019, when I um, I was leading the series, uh, leading into the final in Lausanne for the world title, and I'm in Switzerland, really close from France. So we had like I don't know, 10 or 12 buses of 55 people coming from France to watch the race. And at the end, they all like sang the national anthem with me, and that was that was the first taste of that. And that was that was really really good. And that's really something you want to leave one once in your life. And uh, that's gonna be pressure for sure. But uh, I I mean I've raced the Olympic three times already, and uh, and I know when to um, kind of isolate myself leading to these big races and and making sure I don't have to deal with you know all the external pressure from federation media and everything. So uh, we we've learned that, and uh, I hope these three Olympic campaigns will uh, will pay off as as experience for for twenty twenty four. So. Talk a little bit about the relationship you had with Laurent Vidal, because his passing impacted so many people, but especially yourself. Is that do you still draw on what what you learned from Laurent? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always saying that I think Laurent left a, a a real legacy for us French, and we need to continue that. He was he was really a mentor for me. I mean, he was he was a friend and. Uh, I also had to race him because we were racing each other for a spot at the Olympics and, and all that stuff. And um, I, I remember going going to New Zealand for three months and staying with him for three months. And uh, in, in one of the runs, he had to stop because he, he did not feel great. And that was that was the first signs of his uh, heart heart problems. And um, and back then, I I couldn't imagine that he that he would pass away at the end of 2015. And um, and yeah, of course that was that was really hard. I mean, I'm I'm just a friend. I'm not I'm not his family. Uh, I, 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 I'm not I'm not the girlfriend he had back then. I, I'm not I'm not his brother. So I'm sure it's it's even harder for a lot of the people. But yeah, it impacted me. Um, and I, I think I think he would have been such a great coach, such a great mentor for so many people because you you know his uh, his mentor was. Um, I don't have time to get fancy. I work to achieve goals, and I think it's it's just so it just saw Lawrence, it just saw him, and um, and I wish he was still here with us now to teach that to all this younger generation that are looking for the for the for the shiny things before even putting the performance. And and I think it's uh, I think that would be really great for for teaching the young uh, what it takes to be whatever world champion or Olympic champion, but yeah, he was, he was a great example for me. And I've, and I'm all this keeping, I'm all this keeping Laurent at the back of my head. Every time there is something wrong or every time it's hard in my life, I'm always like thinking about him and um, yeah, great inspiration and, and hundred percent his legacy will stay forever. So I remember reading something that uh, you, before your first world series podium, just before yeah. the race, you heard the voice <laughs> what was the voice saying yeah that was uh that was 2014 in uh 2014 in hamburg so uh that was one of the first race when he was diagnosed with heart uh, problem and he couldn't race but he was still there because he was coaching and and dating uh andrea hewitt back then and and like he was still around and i remember that i had a really great season and coming into hamburg 
I mean, Gomez, both Brownlees, all, all the big names. And uh, I remember I was I was walking with him to the swim start, and uh, and really informal chat, and he told me, you know, Vince, they're not stronger. And I was like, I mean, what do you mean? These guys are gonna be world champion. They're gonna they're gonna podium at the race, and we all fighting for fourth. He's like, no, no, no. they're not stronger. And uh, and I was like, well, maybe it's true. Maybe maybe he's right. Maybe that's that's what I have to think. Because I mean, before the race, I was just thinking, well, I'm gonna try to hang on and follow as long as I can. And if I can, if I can take the lift to fourth place with them, that's perfect. And then I don't know. During the swim, I was like, ah, oh, I'm with them. During the bike, I'm like, oh, I'm still with them. And on the run, I was like, he's right. I can actually win this race or podium at this race. I can beat them. They're not stronger. And as soon as you put that in your head and, 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 and your mindset is different. And yeah, I just, I finished second, I think, uh, between the two Brownlees, uh, Ravi Gomez was fourth. And then that was just, I told him after the finish line, I was like, wow, that's true. And he, and he, and he, and he told me, he's like two legs, two arms, one head. Everyone's the same. If you train it hard enough, you can beat them. And, and yeah, he was entirely right. But that's, that's the thing I loved with Lauren. That was his confidence. He was always confident, always optimist. And, uh, and that's something I really like with him. So this for 2022, what will your season be? Will you mix in a couple of 70.3s along with the WTS races and Super League? Yeah, exactly. So um, the goal is still uh, 2024 Paris Olympics. So I, I need to stay focused on short distance. Uh, I want to, of course, become world champion again. So yes. the, the, the series is going to be a big part of my season and Super League. That's the both. Uh, that's both the main goals of 2022, 2023 and 2024. Uh, I want to add a few 70.3 or middle distance to, to make sure I still, you know, learn and, and gain experience. So my next race will be uh, an indoor Conti Cup in Yevain, in France, actually. Mm. Just, you know, to break up the winter a little, to, to, to do some speed and work a bit on transitions and stuff like this. And uh, I'm racing a challenge race um, in Salao in Spain. It's two hours drive from, uh, from Girona, so really easy drive. And um, yeah, that's uh, April the 3rd. And I think there's big names on the start list, so it's going to be another, another good race. Um, hopefully the the roads are going to be closed this time and, uh, and I can, uh, <laughs> and I can reach T2 without any trouble, but um, yeah, you know, I just, I just want to learn. I just want to ride my time troll bike, uh, got, got this watts uh, where they need to be to win big races. So yeah, a mix, a mix of, uh, of uh, all the distances, but um, main goal is to have fun and, and still gain experience even at, uh, even at 32. So Going back, the, the impression used to be with WTS races and ITU that people were great swimmers and great runners, and they would sort of hang out on the bike. But Brownlee, I think, changed a lot of that, and, and you've been there throughout this era. How has it changed? Because it seems like so many of the ITU athletes now come to the longer distance and are not just getting along on the bike, but dominating on the bike. Did, did Alistair change a lot of that in terms of the way people race the bike in ITU races? For me, all the credits it's, um, is to give to uh, the Brownies and Ravi Gomez. They really, they really changed the dynamics of, of every single short distance race. You know, I, I did my first World Series in 2011, I think. So I really, I, I really, I raced all the big names. I raced Frodeno, I raced Gomez, I raced Brownies, I raced 
um, Arrest, um, Bivan Doherty, Arrest, all of them, all of them. And, you know, in 2012, at the Olympic Games, uh, the bike ride of a 40K was not even 265 watts average. And if you wanted to win, you have to run, I think, 29.04 for, for, yeah. the, for the best running time. Uh, in uh, Rio Olympic Games, the average on the bike was uh, 322 watts. <laughs> and if you run, I think, 30, 50 or something like this, you won the race. But the, the difference now is crazy. You can't, you can't race a World Series in the 300 watts when before you were racing, yeah, 270, 280, no problem. So you did not have to work that much on the bike and, and it was basically a foot race. But yes. yeah, these, these guys, they... I mean, for the Bronleys at first, it wasn't a big problem because Alistair was the best runner. And then, you know, there is like Mario Mola or the, the, these guys that were a better runner, they start to show up and, and beat them. So like now we need to change our game. We need to change the dynamic and we need to ride harder. So they started, they started to ride harder. And like a lot of people missed that train a lot and, and, and got pushed to longer distances. But um, now all these guys, I mean, like me, like the Norwegians, the Brownies, they all learned through the, the Brownie um, uh, race uh, like tactics. So it's all about you swim hard, you ride hard, and you still run fast behind that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a complete different tactic now uh, over short distance. And um, it, it, just, it just relates to longer distances. And I think, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm really young and a rookie of a, of a middle distance and longer distance, but I think a lot of people are, are looking at, at, the new, at the new ITU guys coming with, uh, I won't say fear, but like an interested eye and see, and see what's going to happen. But, but for sure, it's not going to be the same as, uh, it's not going to be weak bikers, 100%. They're, they're going to be guys that want to race at the front and show that they can race and they can run off the bike. What do you look back at as your the best race you've ever had? And maybe not the you know the best finish, but just a race that meant the most to you. You look back on and draw on it today. Um, for me, there is two races. Uh, my, my best race, performance wise, was twenty eighteen Grand Final in Gold Coast. Uh, I I just I that was just the perfect race. I just I just swim by run and I just uh, did everything right. I was just strong from start to finish. Uh, I outran uh, Mario Mora, uh, Richard Murray, I outran everyone. That was just, nobody could stop me back then. And, um, and I think the other race where I did good was uh, 2019 Grand Final in Lausanne, because as I said, a lot of French were there. My parents were there. They, they never go to any race and they were there. Um, and I was going into this race as a series leader and, and, and future world champion. I, I had to finish in the top six or top five to be world champion. And um, I had a lot of pressure leading to the race because a lot of like sponsors commitment, media commitment and, and all these things. And, uh, and yeah, delivered a good race, um, world champion. So I think that was two races for, for different reasons that, that were the, the best achievements for me. What would it mean to you to, to win a gold medal in your home country? Retirement. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that would mean. <laughs> no, that, that I mean that would be awesome. It would be 
I, I don't know how many people did it actually. I mean, in triathlon, basically only only Alistair did yeah. it. But uh, in the history of sports, it's um, it's rambling. Yeah, it's I mean, it's incredible. You can't get you can't get much better. Yeah. I mean, except if you're from Hawaii and you win and you win Hawaii the Ironman, but uh, there is no much there's no much more you can do, I guess. Love it. Vincent, always such a pleasure to get to chat with you. Love what you do. I'm, I'm sorry that you're too long distance. You're getting hit by a car, getting, a, <laughs> getting your bike stolen, drafting call, all that stuff. Uh, you're, you're, you're great at everything you do. I, I love watching you race. And I love the energy you bring to our sport. There's a lot of people are, are learning to love the sport because of your enthusiasm. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always great to chat. And uh, I really hope we can connect in real life very soon. Uh, why not? Uh, why not Malibu? Or, um, yes. Yeah. And hopefully, I mean, my, you know, my big dream is to do uh, a breakfast with Bob in Kona with you. But, uh, uh, but when I'm racing. When you're racing. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be a few years down the line, but we'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. Not too long. Not too long. I love it. Give our, give our best to Taylor. And thank you so much for taking time. Will do. Thank you, Bob. Bye-bye. Vincent Luis has been our guest, everybody. Again, Breakfast with Bob, not quite Kona edition. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. See ya.